Welcome to the Prison Mindfulness Podcast, presented by the Prison Mindfulness Institute. In this podcast, we'll be talking with experts in the fields of prison mindfulness and prison dharma, discussing their transformative work in prisons and jails. Hi, and welcome to another session on the Prison Mindfulness Summit. My name is Sandy Inkster, and I'll be your co-host for this session. I'm very happy to be here today with Gail Jackson. Welcome, Gail. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being a part of our summit. I've personally been looking forward to this conversation with you, Gail, since we've been fellow students and learners, and it's exciting for me to hear about all of your initiatives. I'm going to read from your bio to familiarize our audience with you and your work, and then we'll jump right into the conversation. How does that sound? Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. So Gail Jackson comes to us from the unceded land of the Denina people in Anchorage, Alaska, where she is the owner and founder of Creative Rhythms. Gail facilitates mindfulness practices in marginalized communities, as well as community and corporate drumming circles for well-being. She's also a performing artist and is one of 40 luminaries in the new documentary, We All Just Need to Gong, and recently finished recording a CD released in September 2022, featuring her sound artistry using the gongs. This CD also works well as a sound meditation. Gail is a social justice activist, bringing awareness to her community of the killings of Black and Brown people. During Juneteenth, she facilitates Say Their Name, a drumming for healing celebration with community coming together to acknowledge those who have been killed. Well, Gail, that's a lot of nurturing for the community and honoring lives. Some fascinating approaches and ways of engaging. So again, thank you for joining us. And I'd like to invite you to dive deeper into the information you've shared in your bio. How about with this? I just, I noticed the equipment um, earlier when we were first gathering that you referenced in your bio that you use and it's all around you. And soon there will be an opportunity for everyone to hear those gongs. I'm curious though, what came first, mindfulness or drumming or working with gongs? Well, Sandy, drumming came first. I was in a choir and I was singing, but the music part was pulling me more. And so one of the band members had asked me if I ever heard of Edwina Tyler. And I said, no. So I Googled her and looked her up. And I found out that there was a drum camp in California happening that very summer. So I went to Born to Drum in California, the women's drum camp. And I met Edwina Tyler. And I couldn't find her workshop that first night. And I was hearing all these stories from other campers about Edwina's workshop. So I finally found the class on Sunday. And when we were playing, I heard these strange sounds in the room and I looked around and there were women in the room crying. And that's when I realized the power of the drum. You know, we have what we see and hear in a band, but when you have people collectively in a room playing the drums, getting that somatic experience, opening the heart space, feeling the vibration of the drums, it's a total 
new world. And that's when I found out the power of the drums. And then from the drums came the gongs. I belong to the Drum Circle Facilitators Guild. And at the end of every conference, Arthur Hull, who is the owner of Village Music Circles, does a rhythm church. And he designed these mallets, these chimes that are pentatonic chimes, and you hit them with a mallet. And it makes this wah, 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 wah sound, but it's a beautiful sound. And at the end of Rhythm Church, I felt so full just by hearing all these different chimes. And he would orchestrate different parts, and it came together so beautifully. And I feel that's what planted the seed for the gongs for me. And then I had a friend that uh, invited me to a sound bath in St. Louis. And I'm adventurous, so I figured, okay, I'll go. And I had no clue what a sound bath was. And so we were at a yoga studio and started doing stretching. And I'm thinking, well, I didn't come here for this. What are we doing? And then the instructor finally said, go ahead and get yourselves comfortable. And so I laid back. And it was the first tap of the gong. It just, it just took me, it just took me away. When you remember the old cartoon where the person sits the pie in the window and you see the smoke of the pie, the scent wafering, it was just like that gong was that pie. And then the vibration just took me right with it. And so at the end of this session, I, found out where she got her training and how long it was. And it was that fall. I was in Asheville, North Carolina with Crown of Eternity, Mike Tamburo, taking my first gong class. And it was this little house in the center of a, a gravel lot. And I thought to myself, because I wanted to go to find out where it was, so I knew where I was going in the morning. And I saw this little house and I thought to myself, what have I gotten myself into? And little did I know the world that gongs had opened up for me and will open up for me. Ah, um, as a musician, Gail, I can feel that um, experience that you had um, and I've been involved in drumming circles and I know how it just, it's a whole body experience. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very exciting. And, and, and to hear how it just grasped you so much that you wanted to pursue that, um, you know, further training. Yes. And you had mentioned <clears throat> the documentary that I'm featured in as part of one of the 40 luminaries. I had attended the first ever Gong Summit, and I met Jens, who's from Germany. He had asked if I would be interested in being part of We All Just Need to Gong. And the opportunity, no hesitation, yes, because it brings more exposure to how vibration affects our body and just the experience of the vibration. And the title, We All Just Need to Gong, is like everybody has a gong. So when you go over, you feel that vibration, it brings you to, it's another 
modality to bring us to a place of centeredness. And that doesn't take away from going to a sound bath or a sound immersion. It just, it's that temporary, like a band-aid before you go to the doctor. It's just that temporary part until we get into the collective energy of being with others in the sound bath. And it's very funny because with the gongs, the documentary, we all just need to gong. But it, And in my drumming community, we have a drum in every house is the model for everyone to have a drum in their house. And it's the, basically the same thing, but a different instrument. We have the gong to bring us into a place of centeredness and then the drum to play, to feel that vibration also and have that somatic experience. So it's like I'm, I'm experiencing the best of two, three worlds, the gongs, the drums, and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You mentioned sound bath and sound immersion. Can you just expand a little bit on what that is? Sure. The sound bath is being immersed in sound. Whatever the the facilitator uses to bring that forth, my main focus is the gongs. There are sound baths where there's just the frosted crystal bowls. There's some where they have the metal singing bowls. And then there's some that have other ambient instruments in, in the sound immersion, sound bath, sound meditation. So there are many words out there that express being immersed in the vibration of these ambient instruments.
for me, um, having that sound, um, I can feel it, as I mentioned before, everywhere, almost like the vibrations. And um, I close my eyes because it allows me to really, my other senses to really pick up and, and fully experience that. So thank you very much. Thank you. And my CD, I finished recording in early August. So it's in the hands of the producer now to clean the tracks with the extra sounds getting everything out. So I'm looking at November or maybe the latter part of October for the release of the CD. Oh, okay. Okay. That's good to, to know, to be updated. And if, mm-hmm. uh, for those who are interested in locating the CD, can you provide that information? It will be on iTunes Great. and secondly, Spotify, I think, but iTunes for sure. Okay, super. I think everyone is familiar with uh, those two places to access music. So wonderful. And the name. um, So we can we search under your name as well as is there a special name for the CD? The you can search under my name. And it ended up there are three CDs. So one is called Octopus because I was in the zone and I wish I had more than two arms to get everything that was going on. It was, it was amazing. That track was amazing. The um, next one, the next CD is patience. Mm. I had to go into my mindfulness practices during that recording because I, it was just, I was feeling so rushed inside and being mindful to breathe and slow down and know that it'll all be okay. So patience is that one. And then the last one is sound journey. So I take the listeners on a journey through sound and invite them to allow their ears to be their eyes on the journey. The three of them together, it almost sounds like it's uh, reflective of life. You know, those times when we are, you know, trying to do so many different things like the octopus and then patience comes into it in order to get through then, then the journey to savor the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear about that and I'll seek them out and add them to my playlist. So thank you. Thank you. Um, now, Gail, you mentioned about mindfulness, uh, your mindfulness practice, um, and we did. Uh, we were students together. Uh, how did how did your mindfulness um, practice your your studies come about? Like, was I'm curious, was there a particular event or some type of an influence that brought mindfulness into your awareness? I am a also a licensed practitioner of religious science. So I always heard of mindfulness out in the peripheral, just mindfulness this, mindfulness that. Then I had an opportunity. A friend told me about EMI. So I looked it up and that's when I began my journey to mindfulness because I have always always had a a, a thirst for going deeper 
my spiritual practices going deeper. And when I began practicing mindfulness, I had a practice of meditation for over eight or nine years. And then when I started mindfulness meditation with my eyes open, it was like starting all over again. It was, it was hard in the beginning. And, um, and after a while with practice, practice, it began to become easier to keep my eyes open and be in the practice. And so with mindfulness, that's how I, my journey started. I've always heard about it. And then I began to incorporate that in my life as well as when I was working full time. I used to be a probation parole officer. And incorporating that in my work life as well as my personal life, it was, I have an example I like to share. I had a meeting with my supervisor to go pick up some papers and we had discussed something that she wanted me to implement and she realized and found out that I wasn't implementing it and she called me on it. And I could feel just the heat rising in my body. And then my legs started to shake. And I was just really warm. My, My throat felt tight. And then it was like I heard something say, slow down. Breathe slow down and it seemed like somebody was like right on my left shoulder and I looked because it it was like somebody was right there it felt just like that and if I didn't have my mindfulness practices I would not have felt all of that that was coming up during that encounter and I may have said something that I should not have said to her if I did not have that awareness happening of what was happening to my body, what was happening with me during that encounter. So the mindfulness practices has really assisted me in deepening my practices so much more. And I just got back from Hawaii. I nicknamed it Hot Hawaii this time because it was very hot this time. And I finished my certification to become a certified drum circle facilitator trainer, which means I can travel globally to do three-day trainings to train people in rhythm-based events. And when I first started, because I have gone to Hawaii five, I think this was my fifth time for the training, and realized that when I was there before, I didn't have mindfulness. And then this time around, I had my practices and realizing the mind chatter that was happening. Okay, I left this out or I did too much of this, all that that was going on in my head, as well as when I stepped into the circle, being mindful of my presence, of where I was when I stepped into the circle to facilitate. So having those key elements of mindfulness and bringing it to the drumming has really been a big help for me and how I show up for myself and how I show up for others. Mm -hmm. 
congratulations on your recent uh, certification. That's that's spectacular. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the story that you shared about um, your um, supervisor at work, and I'm, I, when you talked about being able to notice what was present in your body, um, I think that that's you know that's that pause that um, you know as you so you know well described that it 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 allowed you to not proceed with something that would have been unskillful. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just curious um, in the work that you were doing with in probation and parole, did mindfulness ever come into um, the interactions with those people who you were serving? I, when I was doing my hours, I was working with the, I went out to the women's prison and I did some like an eight week course with them. And that's the only area where mindfulness took place. Here in Alaska, I've looked at the different facilities, and I think that there is only one that has mindfulness as one of the programs that's offered to the inmates here. But other than that, where I was in the pretrial setting, that it, the, I brought my mindfulness with me. Mm-hmm. It was not something that was given to the inmates. And when you were with the women, when you were doing, when you said that you were doing your hours, that was as part of your teaching practicum when you were a student with the Engage Mindfulness Institute? Yeah, right. I'm just curious what the, um, you know, any inquiries from any of the participants in the program, did the women reflect on that and, and comment on any shifts or benefits that they experienced? Well, they experienced that a sense of peace, a sense of calm. I know uh, some shared that when there was like a lot of drama going on around them that they removed themselves. And then also one shared that she was able to just take in some breaths to calm herself. And I know that I was explaining an example of mindfulness about how there's a lot of things happening around us and we can still practice the breath, the grounding. And right at that time, they had the medline happening. So there was a lot of noise, a lot of voices, a lot of things happening while we were sitting there doing the practice. And that example was perfect right on time about how we in the setting, in a correctional setting, how we can still connect with our breath, be aware of what's happening within us in the midst of the chaos of the institutions. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, um, I've, I've learned, you know, I've come from a place of not knowing by not being in, in the settings that the participants, um, you know, the people who are incarcerated would explain about the nighttime chaos even and how difficult it was to go to sleep and and when they were in the mindfulness program um the path of freedom they were able to come into a place of calm so much so that they 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 were able to go to sleep uh which was uh a great of great benefit just when people are sleep deprived it's uh, you know it's a recipe for disaster almost isn't it yes it is yeah well, it is um, interesting too when you talked about what you bring in. So, how your mindfulness it, it 
it brings you into the relationship so that you are more mindful of everything, like noticing what's present in yourself, but also the environment around you with as everyone is presenting themselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there were several times that before I would have an inmate come to my door, an incarcerated person come to my door, that I made sure that I myself was grounded, that I wasn't so caught up in getting this paper signed or getting this information. Because sometimes just that little encounter can go sideways. You know, I have no idea what their day is like if they had a bad day in court or what was happening with their family. But to make sure that myself, that I was grounded so that the interaction would be beneficial for the both of us. Yeah, I think that that's the greatest gift, isn't it? Um, Bringing our best self into a relationship so that we're not um, influencing someone else in a way that's not of benefit for them. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, you know, you had mentioned as well about um, in your bio, uh, I offered the information about the activist, the social activist work that you're engaged in. Um, I'd really like to know more about um, say your name celebration. Uh, I've been involved in an experience where that was part of the practice. And I was hoping that you could explain a little bit more about that. Well, through, I had taken a course from Reverend Kiero Williams through the Embody Lab, um, Embodied Social Justice. And when we see, well, when I see people demonstrating, marching, I never thought about the embodied part of it, the somatic experience that happens with people that in case, for example, Black Lives Matter with the marches and the trauma that has taken place in some of the marches that have gone awry. So with that, I had um, come up, I had heard a song during a book study, a Dharma book study on my grandmother's hands, and it's by Janae Monet, tell them about it. So that song, and I'm getting them now, gave me chill bumps. Mm-hmm. And in that song, they would say the names of some of the black and brown people that have been killed by police brutality. And I thought to myself, Juneteenth would be an awesome time to bring this forth. So what I did was my first year doing this, I had made grave markers out of recycled cardboard. So I put the names of different people that had been killed. And then the stakes were um, pallets. So I broke the pallets up and made grave stakes. And it was, I made a path. So on the left and right side were the names of people that had been killed. And in the top of the circle, in the top of the path was a circle of chairs with instruments. And so when people were walking, an aerial view of this, people would be walking through the path, going to the chairs. And the people walking the path were the keys to change in the community because the aerial view, it's a keyhole. Mm -hmm. And so we would come together 
and say the names of those that have been killed by police brutality. Have a moment of silence and then drum to celebrate their names. And then also drum to celebrate community coming together. When I first had done this project, if I would have put all the names up, I would have been all the way out to the street. There were that many names. So each year I rotate the names. And it has been bringing that awareness to the community of the lives and having the somatic experience. So I invite people to hum, to mm -hmm. rock, because having that soothing somatic experience during that time, it adds more to the experience and opens the heart in a brave space for folks to be able to express themselves, to express their lo the loss of the lives and to express what they feel when they bring, what, what they feel when they come together to share their part of being in part of community. It's a powerful way to honor people, Gail. It's, um, I get goosebumps listening to you. Uh, and I think um, by being involved in a say your name, uh, first it was with the Zen peacemakers at Auschwitz Birkenau and then with the Zen peacemakers um, race, um, race in America. Um, again, we were mentioning names of people who had been lynched and, uh, it, it is so powerful. I'm wondering about the response of the participants of the community when you initiated this and. Well, when I first initiated it, um, people were saying that they really enjoyed it, that it, should go on the park strip. The park strip here is where a lot of activities happen. So they were saying that it should be on the park strip. Some people say that they were very moved by what had taken place. I had an interview with our public radio station here, which I was very surprised that, I mean, surprised that I was interviewed, that it made a profound effect in the community that, um, yeah, that this was happening because this it was the first time that this has happened. Yeah, it's uh, congratulations again on um, bringing to the forefront um, an experience for everyone. And as I mentioned about honoring, honoring people. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I'm just curious about um, the uh, uh, the drumming that you offer, the uh, the drumming circles and, and even um, you know, the sound bath or sound immersion from the gongs, it, you know, with the work that you did offer, um, the work that you were involved in with probation and parole, I'm just wondering about, you know, that happening together. Like, is that something that could be offered in, um, for people who are incarcerated or people who are uh, in, on probation or parole? Yes, I've gone to the women's prison to do some drumming circles with the women there. And it, it takes a little bit of time to get the women engaged because low self-esteem and just gently bringing it in so that it can be okay for them to experience, to express. 
And then when COVID happened, that stopped. With um, doing, I am doing community drumming circles now in one of our marginalized communities. And I feel that when people get released from the prisons or jails, that they go back into the same communities and friends that they left. I like to offer the community drumming circles because as they are, they're accepted. And it's not, we don't play a certain rhythm. When you think of African drumming, you play certain rhythms or native indigenous drumming with just one drum. What I bring is I have drums and percussion instruments and I lead a rhythm and invite people to come in and play with whatever instruments they have. And it's coming from a place of playing what's in your heart. There is no experience needed for my drumming circles. You can be six months to 120 and still play. And everyone is on the same level. There's no hierarchy with the drumming. And I have an example of, I facilitated a drumming circle for a, uh, a agency for children at risk. So their families were there. And so I was drumming with the young adults and then they took a break. And one of the moms was sitting on the side. She was just watching. And so we were having fun and just drumming away. And when the kids came back from their break, I saw this movement on the side of my eyes over here to the right. And the mom was like moving chairs. She goes, I'm getting in on this one. So it was just so amazing to see because when people come in, sometimes they're not happy because maybe somebody drugged them there and they didn't want to go or they just didn't know what to expect. But in the middle of the drum circle or toward the end to see the smiles, to see the engagement, to see that a transformation is happening right in front of me. So to give people those opportunities when they come out of being incarcerated, that they can come in to a circle of people or a group where it's okay. You know, you're perfect as you are and you're welcome. And to have that community for people to come to, I would say it would open many doors for a lot of folks to know that they can. A friend of mine is doing yoga in one of the, a couple of the prisons, so that when those folks come out, they'll be able to join in at different facilities in town and in the summer when they do yoga on the park strip. Wow. It's, uh, it's a lot of um, inclusive, I guess, um, seeing community as being holistic as opposed to maybe where I, I am in my community. It's opening it up to everyone in the community. I um, and I'm thinking too about the what it feels like to join I, I, that woman, the the mother who she was the observer at first, and then it just it, it she was overtaken by it so much so that 
she didn't want to miss out. And I've seen that. I've witnessed that um, in many uh, drumming circle experiences, the people who hover on the peripheral. And mm-hmm. then it just, it's almost like that, you know, that's aroma wafting from the the pie that you talked about with the gongs mm-hmm. reaching you earlier. It's, it is, it's, it's that rhythm. It's that vibration. It just, it grabs people and lures them in. Um, and I, and you mentioned before too, about the movement or the humming and, and it just seems to be that whole embodiment piece that it, it frees people or releases some of the suffering, maybe even. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what I hear a lot is from people is I don't have rhythm. I don't have any rhythm, but what we've been conditioned to into through life, the busyness we developed in our mother's womb to hearing her heartbeat. And that heartbeat, we have that same heartbeat. And when we're in the drumming circle to slow down and to be with that rhythm, that rhythm of the heart, and that's the main focus of that heart, the community, of the healing, of transformation, to bring us together. Yeah, that's uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful way of expressing it. Uh, yeah, we all have that. We we're all born of that rhythm, aren't we? It's in us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, is there anything else that you would like to offer up to um, to those who are listening? Um, it's been very inspirational to hear how um, drumming and mindfulness and, and, um, you know, the inspiration for you to get into the, um, performing with the gongs and offering the, the sound bath and sound immersion, um, for those of us who may not know about it. And is there anything else that you would like to offer to us about your experiences? I did an artisan residency back in February in a school here that lost their teacher and their music teacher and librarian due to budget cuts. And it was, I, (laughs) again, the body, I was just, I, I didn't want to do it. I could feel a tightness in my body and I was wondering what's going on. Oh my goodness, help me. And I've never really worked with kids before. They've been in my community drumming circles, but their parents have been there. What happened was when I got there, I would meet the kids out in the hallway and I would drum to welcome them in. And I would sing Funga Alafia, which is a welcoming song from Africa. And where it originated, they are still disputing where it originated. But I would sing that song and the kids would sit in the chairs and then we would we would drum. And after that, I would do a bit of mindfulness practice. I have a, a Remo Buffalo drum that is really deep sounding. So I would ask the kids in the circle if I can play the drum behind them while they put their hands on their chest to feel their heartbeat. And so some yes, some no. And so I would go around the circle. And then you can feel the shift in the room with that exercise. 
And then I had them lay on the floor and the teachers lay down also. And I have a set of really deep drums. They're comfort head drums. And I would play the heartbeat. And you could hear a pin drop. They were just really connecting to their hearts. And then the collective energy in the room shifted. And it was like the talk of the whole week, the drumming. They couldn't wait to come back. And it was amazing. I learned so much from the kids as well as I'm sure they learned something from me. And I was surprised. One of the teachers said that she was watching me, that she was learning so much. And bringing in patience, bringing in presence, and being mindful of the kids in the circle as well as the teachers. And being mindful of how I'm showing up each day to bring the gift of drumming, to bring the gift of sound to folks because we, we need it now more than ever. And what I liked about mindfulness is when, you, when we do the, facilitate the traditional practice, we can bring in, we can bring us in our uniqueness because we all offer something different. Sandy, you offer something different than I do. I bring in my drumming. I bring in sound to enhance, to enrich the mindfulness practices. And it just a little, just a little dab here and there. So they get a little peace and they can expound on that later. Mm. The um you know, the art of connecting a gale is what I'm hearing from you through your mindfulness practice that, that those educators learned and that the children were able to come into experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's um, really been fascinating uh, speaking with you and um, getting to know you a little bit more. Um, I'd like to thank you for participating in this um, part of the Prison Mindfulness Summit. And uh, I believe that you have offered a lot of um, fascinating introduction to some other areas that perhaps people were not familiar with. And, um, and it's been very inspiring. And um, as far as connecting with you in beyond this, how can people reach you? Well, if we have any Facebookers, I am, my Facebook page is Creative Rhythms. My website is creativerhythms.org and Creative Rhythms is all one word. And I'm also a Remo, the Remo Drum Company. I'm a Remo endorsed facilitator and I do health and wellness drumming also. Oh, that's exciting. Well, thank you very much. I think that, um, you know, you've offered to us an idea of how to honor ourselves first and how to honor those um, in our community, those who have died um, unjustly and those who are marginalized and are part of our community and can be celebrated as well. Thank you very much, Gail. Thank you, Sandy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. May you be well. May you be safe. Thank you for listening. 
to learn more about PMI and our programs, please visit prisonmindfulness.org. You can also keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.